Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined here on Center Court after the men's final and women's doubles final after it has wrapped up on Sunday evening. Joined by Tumani Carriol, NCR's Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent. Hello, Tumani. Hello, thanks for having me and remembering my, my job title. Good to be here. Well, we are really excited here at NCR that our Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent has gained an invite to the Wimbledon Ball, which oh is taking God. place within an hour of now. So we're not going to keep you too long so you can get off and, you know, dance the night away or sit the night away, whatever they do with that that thing. I mean, the good thing is that Novak is still impressed as we speak, so I just have to be there before him and I'm good. He's doing a Serbian press still yet. He talks a bit, that guy, and you're in your lovely gray suit, for those who can't see, looking very sharp, very smart. As they would say in this country, we don't associate intelligence with, with dressing, but y'all do, so that's fine. Not me. No? I'm, I'm Spanish. But... <laughs> Span- exactly. <laughs> Spain and Southern Africa, they don't do that either. All right. So uh, a bunch of tennis happened at Wimbledon. is now over. Let's start with, uh, it's, it's a weird tournament, you guys. Let's start with the women's champion. Let's, how about that? Elena Rabakina of Kazakhstan who um, already that's a that's a uh, a, a topic um, but elena rabakina uh wins wimbledon uh not some, not one someone who's been on my short list for favorites this year but not like if you told me pre-tournament rabakina is going to win it would have been like okay yeah i can see that sure she's a, we've known about her for a long time we talked about her courtney's gushed about her on this show very talented player big tall strong player great ball striker very clean ball striker sort of like a perfect medium between, I feel like, Hantakova and, like, Safina, game style-wise. You're making faces, but I'm just nodding along to myself, really <laughs> thinking I'm just being very sage. I, I, She's got a very, very clean, you know, clear, talented game, and here things worked for her, and she got um, not the easiest draw, but a draw that she could work with, and she played well uh, in big matches, especially that semifinal, beating uh, 2019 champ Simona Halep. Uh, very emphatically, and then coming back from a set down in the final against Aljabur. Uh, what do you make of Elena Rabakina's run to the title and being a Grand Slam champion after never having previously made a uh, made one quarterfinal before the Slam? Yeah, um, I'd say she she's had her chances in the past in that quarterfinal when she um, reached the quarters of the French Open last year, mm-hmm. beat Serena, lost 9-7 in the third to Pavlyuchenkova, mm-hmm. and then she had her chances at the Olympics when she reached the yeah. semifinal and then lost two matches in a row, um, you know, lost the lost to Benchich and then the third, you know, the, the bronze medal match to Svitolina. Svitolina, yeah. So she she's had her chances and in, in the kind of big moments, she hasn't, you know, she just hasn't had the head. And I, I, she kind of referenced it in her press conferences. Um, but here it's just, it's been impressive just to see how she's grown throughout the tournament. You, know, you, you mentioned that she had a tough draw and she faced Andrescu in the second round, which yeah. is very difficult we, we both were i'm pretty sure we we're both pretty high on on andrescu's chances mm-hmm. and you know she she came through that in straight sets you know one two tight sets let me read off her draw because i think her draw actually started tough early vandaway first round as a player who's been yeah. good on grass before obviously a lucky loser here but not so that was six and five for rocking yeah. in that match and then some, someone who can match her serving yeah then then andrescu then uh uh zhang kinwen who's a very popular you know hipster yeah. tennis pick these days petra martich maybe not the toughest fourth round Tomjanovic, maybe not the toughest quarterfinal, but obviously someone who's been playing well. And Halep, then uh, yeah. then Jabir. Yeah, and and I think, you know, no gimmies Im- in that. Draw. Exactly. Yeah, it, it was impressive when she came through Andrescu like that. I, I watched. I was particularly impressed in the quarterfinal, even though you know Tomjanovic isn't a top ten player, top five player, but just how she went down a set and she was totally composed and just came back. You know, played really well in the final two sets and just took that momentum on 
for the rest of the tournament, you know, completely outplayed Halep. And then again, down a set against Jabur and just came back. You saw how she grew mentally, you know, as you mentioned, the, the you know, the, ta we, the talent has always been clear. And, mm -hmm. and as I'm sure you've also mentioned, she, you know, she was clearly one of the, the rising bright stars before the pandemic. And she's probably one of the players who was affected most by it you know i've said that many times about yeah. her yeah that's my that's my main i asked about her that her about that in the semi-final press conference just like she had made four finals in 2020 before the pandemic hit so just in yeah. january and march sorry january and february that year she had made four finals already so gets derailed by the pandemic she admitted she sort of stopped training or just didn't do well to sort of maintain her form obviously struggled to come back but now she's you know kind of picking up where she left off in some ways and you know the ex the eternal question of women's tennis. It's like okay, so now what? You know yeah, we've had yeah. so many players get on the board with a first Grand Slam lately. Um, Iga Swiatek winning her second at the French Open this year felt like a real rare consolidation in a lot of ways. And obviously Barty retired with three. Um, do, you, do you? It's also a little w weird because there's no ranking points. So Rabakina would be number six, I think, six or seven. Had there been ranking points at this tournament, um, but there's not, and so she is going to stay. She's twenty third. Twenty third. Yeah. Uh, what do you think that she's someone who will be able to back this up? Will win, you know, another Grand Slam, say the next couple of years, and and at least one, and and uh, get into the top ten? Or do you think this was just sort of you know things coming together for her and just another sort of uh, you know WTA uh, you know spin the wheel and see what happens kind of thing? I mean, I think the real answer is that who who, who bloody knows with, with yeah. the WTA. <laughs> with just how things have gone recently but I, I mean I think she's clearly capable of it and and the, the thing about those results before the pandemic is that it was like it wasn't just one or two big results like it was you know tournament after tournament she was playing well and rising the rankings and just you know I mean honestly I just hope that for her and for just other talented players as well that that kind of growth can continue and that she can continue to to do that and Clearly, she, she's shown that she can play on all surfaces. Yeah. You know, made her first quarterfinal on clay at Roland Garros. And, you know, as I mentioned, the other results, mm -hmm. not on hard courts. So she, she has the ability. She has, I think, the, the, the good thing for her is that um, her game is based around her serve, you know. Yeah. And so that, I guess that's a, although as an aggressive baseliner that, you know, she plays with more risk, she also has that weapon that can always win her three points and, and get for her through ma tough matches. And... So yeah, we'll see though. Um, I think this was really impressive, and she beat some really good players. And and you know, we, we wait. We've talked, you know, about how there's a lot of talent. I think in women's tennis, and a lot of really players we believe in, they just don't always match up with who like the top ten in the rankings are. Let's say at any given point, especially this year. I do think that Rabakina has the kind of game and engenders and earns the kind of respect from people that puts her in that sort of category. I, like, I do think if someone, you know, had been making a list of, like, who are the top ten best players, you know, women's tennis, just all at their best, and, it, you know, in, right now, you might put an address group in that list, even though she's not top ten. You might put Osaka in that list, even though she's been, you know, not had the best results uh, consistently this year. You might put, I don't know, Anissa Mova in that list or somebody else who's not top ten yet. I think Robakina fits in that category for sure. I think that she's, like, I want to call her a hipster pick, but someone who, you know, people who pay attention to the tour and have seen her play she's striking as a as a talent and as yeah. a as a as a presence on court um yeah i don't well, i mean i don't i don't think either of us are sitting here shocked that she she was able to, no yeah that she was she was able to do this no, no not really i mean i wasn't picking her yeah. you know until i wasn't picking her at any point i mean yeah actually, I, 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 mean, I, I thought andrescu would be her to be honest but yeah you know that she's kind of come through that and thrived it's not a 
all surprising to me at all. Yeah, no, I thought she could have lost to Andreska. I thought she could have lost to Zhang. I thought she could have lost uh, to Halep, certainly, in the semis. Yeah, and sure. I thought she could have lost to Jabur. I thought, uh, let's talk about Jabur a bit. Well, actually, no, let's, before we get to Jabur, let's wrap up the, the part we haven't talked about with Rabakana, which was the part that got a lot of attention here, especially, you know, in the media, um, repeatedly. The, the concept of Kazakhstan in tennis, which I think we've talked about on the show before. I know we've had Alexander Bublik on NCR, and we, I've asked him about this during his episodes here. Kazakhstan has been around in tennis doing its thing for, what, about 10, 12 years now? I think it's right. since 2007. 2007. Was that with Golubev, or who was the yeah, first one? that was like the Golubev-Shvedova era. Yeah. Okay, so Golubev and Shvedova, for those of you who don't remember, were two Russian players who got paid uh, and given incentives by the Kazakh Tennis Federation, which had very few players on the board at that point, if any, uh, to uh, switch their nationality in tennis from Russia to Kazakhstan to sort of imp- uh, increase the profile of Kazakhstan through sports and through tennis success. And later on, they had one native, you know, sort of grown player in Desirina Diaz, but generally everyone else, even though she did do yeah. a lot of her tennis training in the Czech Republic, as Tumani's very tennis nerdy face points out, <laughs> um, and I know what that means to some equally nerdy, but... Uh, yeah, they, since then they've had several other, uh, almost all Russians, not all Russians, but mostly Russians. They had Cecil Kertancheva, who was a uh, Bulgarian, also played for Kazakhstan for a bit. But, you know, players like um, Bublik, like Putin Seva, like Pervak, yeah. I think. Uh, she went back. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, Pervak <laughs> went back. And, like, uh, uh, Rabakina, yeah. obviously. And so, uh, and a couple others in there, too, I can mention. Kukushkin. Yeah, Kukushkin is one of them, for sure, too. Nedov Yesov, was he Kazakh? I think so. Anyway. I think, I think we've, we've made enough. Anyway, enough. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so this has been a thing that we've sort of been aware of in tennis as a trend for a while. And obviously, and there hadn't been previously been any Kazakh player who made a single semifinal at a Grand Slam. Um, and so it hadn't really even been that much in the profile. And then it gets more in the profile as a concept with one of them making a final quadruply at least so because it just so <laughs> happens that if Elena Rabakina had stuck to staying as a Russian national uh, for her tennis, she would not have been able to play this Wimbledon because there was a ban against all but Russian and Belarusian players for entering this tournament, players who represented those countries. Um, I go, you know, was this, I think this was awkward for the tournament given the kind of stance they made to have someone who's on their profile page says born Moscow, residence Moscow as, yeah. you know, a, a winning the trophy yeah, given I, given all the hand wringing of her, <gasps> what if Kate Middleton has to make eye contact with a Russian kind of stuff. But uh, so that part is kind of just like amusing, honestly, yeah. more than anything, because, I, yeah. yeah. You no, I'll just say, yeah, amusing was kind of. How I digested it. At the same time, like, I, I sort of had this thought afterwards that, you know, I don't actually think this is really, like, a win for Russia, capital R, Russia, well, it's always capitalized, the proper now, but you know what I mean, like, for, like, Russia and even Russian tennis, because Rabakina was a player who, yes, grew up in Moscow, trained in Moscow, is ethnically Russian, and maybe still holds Russian citizenship also, I'm not, she didn't really get into that, um, but... Shh, go ahead. No, just her answer to the Oh, questions. my gosh. So we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to her press, press to that second. There was one answer, which was really funny. Um, was uh, she got neglected by the Federation, and they didn't recognize her talent and identify her as someone worth investing in and supporting. And so she took her tennis talents to South Beach or, you know, Kazakhstan, as they call it. The South, sort of North Beach of the Caspian or something. And uh, and now she's, you know, or Errol C, I guess maybe it's more Kazakh. Anyway. It was drying up. Uh, she gets here and wins a Grand Slam recorder for Kazakhstan. 
she had already played Olympics for Kazakhstan. She'd already played Fed Cup for Kazakhstan. She had been sort of Kazakh for years. I don't think there's really any sort of gloating that Russia should be able to get from, from this win, except for like, wow, we have like more tennis than we know how to handle, which is, but they haven't had a, a woman win a Grand Slam for Russia uh, in a long time since Sharapova, since Sharapova 2014. So uh, I think I think Russia kind of fumbled the ball on, on Rubakina. I, I mean, clearly, and I, I think those, com- like, with, with people within Russian tennis, so those conversations have been kind of, I mean, people who follow Russian tennis just asking why, why, why are we losing all of our talents, or some of our talents to yeah. to Kazakhstan. And I saw, you know, obviously, Shamil Tarpeshev, the disgraced um, Russian Tennis Federation, yeah. you know, um, president or whatever. Czar. You know, yeah. um, he, he, he tried to, you know, claim that. Oh, she was a Russian product was yeah, the word he used. Yeah. Know. But I, I did see, like, other pe- Russian people within Russian tennis. Besnina. Besnina, yeah. yeah. Also a journalist. Um, just push back and say, mm-hmm. no, she's, she's Kazakh. They've, they were the ones who, who took, you know, when, when she needed help and when, when she needed support. They were the ones who saw it in her, and I, I think she's like genuinely, you know, when when as as repeat it repeatedly was when she's been asked about it. Like I think she, you know, it isn't just that they they've given her money and and all of that stuff, but that they saw that they believe that she was valuable, you know, and yeah. that she could be, you know, that they she, believed she in could, her exactly, and that that's in, that's important. They believed in her. They invested in her. They thought she had value exactly, and like and that meant something to her, and that helped her career. And I've I've you know, spoiler, like, I'm working on this book about Naomi Osaka, right, who is obviously someone who spent the vast majority of her life in the U.S., and all of her tennis playing meaningfully training happened in the U.S., has happened in the U.S., but she has represented Japan for a long time. So, like, in the book I'm writing about Naomi Osaka, like, there's, you know, discussions of nationality, what it means and what it doesn't mean in tennis, and what it means to represent a country and what it doesn't mean. And so Kazakhstan's already been something on my radar. There's lots of examples of people you know, Maria Sharapova, for example, like I talked about a lot during, especially early in her career when she was coming up and, you know, spoke very American sounding English and, you know, had been in the U.S. and she was seven. Like, certainly there's lots of players who played for the U.S. with less of an American, quote unquote, you know, pedigree than, uh, than Sharapova had. Um, but it's up to the, up to the person. And, she, and Rabakina has chosen Kazakhstan for various reasons. Um, I talked about this. I did a story on young Russian talents and the men, the sort of current men's generation of, you know, Rublev, Kalchinov, Medvedev, and uh, Bublik was coming up in uh, Australia in 2017. Bublik was already playing for Kazakhstan at that point. He's been there for years now. And I mentioned, uh, and Bublik was kind of like, I'm still Russian. Like, I feel, you know, I'm Russian. I, I believe in Russia. I'm still Russian. But Kalchinov was like, he's not Russian. He <laughs> left. He's, he's no, you can't call him Russian. I sort of listed off some Russian players to Kalchinov. He, like, cut me off. So he was like, no, Bublik's not Russian. What are you talking about? Like, he left us. So, you know, like, it's a complicated thing. It's But it's a, you know, it's in the sort of greater sort of what does nationality mean in tennis conversation, which I think is also an interesting conversation to have in the light of Ange Burr across the net in that final and seeing what she means to, to her country, to her region, to her continent um, on a very different level. Um, the questions, before we get to Shabur, the questions that Rabakina got in press about this were repeated and came to early. There was a big problem at this tournament of people in the press room not understanding the basic order of questions in a press conference, starting out with some wild shit in the opening question several times, especially, obviously, to Tom Yanovich after her quarterfinal uh, defeat. Um, but, uh, yeah, but the stuff about, but, you know, are you still feel Russian in your heart? Do you, this, 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 like... 
I understand those questions. Kind of, they shouldn't come first. Um, but the funniest answer was when someone asked, you know, it says like Moscow as your residence or something. Where are you based? And Rabakina was like, I'm based on tour. <laughs> Just like, I don't have a home. It was, a, it was, I was amused by it. And, you know, if it is farcical, whatever, this person might still, you know, live in Russia for all we know. And that's where it's officially listed, but plays here whatever like again i don't think that this was a, a win for russia i also completely agree with what oleg has said repeatedly on twitter i've retweeted it and i've cited it on the show before too but like there was never going to be a situation that russia couldn't somehow turn into propaganda when it came to Wimbledon yep. 2022 we've, we've had this, this yeah discussion. because they can turn anything into propaganda because it doesn't really rely on reality you know they can do anything and so the idea that like that wimbledon and britain was going to out chess match russia on you know this is sort of like why even bother playing that game on some level anyway. especially not when you have the leadership that we have but that's that's a, that's do a you have a leadership anymore? we do not that's the yeah. point second well, time i've been here during a during a for a resignation it's nice yeah. you, should people, come, you should come more often people were happy about this one i tell you yeah. as, as angevere yeah. pointed out her friend she got asked about it angevere was transitioned to her calling herself the minister of happiness and she really is like angevere like a lot of you know because she hadn't gone very deep at a Grand Slam before um, and certainly wasn't like the protagonist of the way that she kind of was I think at this tournament in a lot of ways especially when Svantec went out um, in the third round we'll get to Svantec uh, really just delighted and impressed so many people and just like yeah, I had one colleague come back on her press like saying just like is she like the best that there's ever just the best like person we've ever had here and I was like yeah you know probably and that's totally plausible she's she's great she's a delight um, and she came very close to winning Wimbledon she got up a set in the final 6-3, uh, and then I think just got tight, honestly, in a lot of ways. And uh, when when a player like Jabir, who relies so much on variety and changing the pace, uh, gets tight, that's why it's tough for players like that a lot of times to close out matches, because when you get tight, then you just kind of, like, turn into a pusher sometimes, unintentionally. And for the second two sets, there was not a lot on a lot of her shots, and Rabat kind of was able to kind of tee off. And the thing about Onz is that... She- you know she has the weapons. Yeah. You know she, that her, she's her, holstering those too. Yeah, yeah. She she yeah. Ha, she has the weapons, but you know once yeah she just kind of fell into you know doing too much finesse and she couldn't. Uh, yeah, I think when she tried to unleash and to attack, she was just very tight and, and made errors and then yeah. fell back and yeah it was just tough. It she was just kind of just mid range balls. Yeah. They were just like they weren't like slices. They weren't drop shots. They were just sort of like soft mid court balls that she was kind of relying on yeah. batting around. And, and I do think. You know, she. We, we've discussed this. I, I, you know, Ons didn't have. It's very clear that Ons didn't have the most difficult draw. You know, go t- towards the, um, the final. final. You know, let's talk t- about Tatiana Maria. And let's talk team. about Ons's draw. Yes, Ons in this tournament started off with Foley work here from our draw. Uh, Miriam Bjorklund, then Katarzyna Kava, then Deanne Perry, then Elisa Mertens, who was the one seed she played on the way to the final, then Marie Boskova than Tatiana Maria. Yeah. That does not seem like a, no. a slam draw. And, and, and also that most of those players are, are, are more defense-based players or finesse, you know. She was Mertens, like, no, but yeah, the rest, I mean, yeah. Mertens is still kind of a scrappy, you know, kind of... She's a big, I mean, but, but, yeah, but, baseliner, but yeah. But not a big hitter. I not not a big, big hitter. Oh, no, by no means. And, and then she, I mean, she hit like 50 trillion slices in the semifinal. So I think then just from that to coming up against one of the biggest hitters in the game, yeah. on grass, is yeah. just, I don't know, the, the whole... <laughs> Adjustment in level, adjustment in the pace of the ball, adjustment in, you know, you've got to stand on the baseline and, and sometimes just 
attack back, you know. Yeah. So I, I think that was kind of what undid her in the end, whereas, you know, yeah, that, that's that's my sense of it anyway. Can we just talk more about how great she is, just like how yeah. people enjoy her? Because, like, she had the crowd very fully on her side in the final and probably before that as well. Um, she's just a delight. And just, like, I think what she brings to tennis is so positive. Yeah. Like, in this tournament where there wasn't always a lot to latch onto, she was the one sort of person in these draws who was like, this is the most unproblematic fave. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I fully admit, just to, I mean, everyone is, just like in the tank for, we're not saying, you know, we're rooting for her to win, but just like the, what she brings to tennis, being a pioneer for her region, everything about it, just so much, so much positive energy yeah. around her and her team. Yeah. So, so well, one of my, like, Ons memory, Jabir memories is is back. She played it, must have played in Mallorca qualifying. Some I don't know if it was 2017 or something. And there were just these two old ladies watching, you know, just a regular court with no no stands or anything. Mm-hmm. And just they had no idea who she was. And but but by the end of the match, they were like on their feet cheering for every point. And that's kind of what she's she yeah. does when she plays. This is what she did here last year when she kind of just had fans already just just cheering for her and rooting for her and wanted her to do well and that's kind of been this this year <laughs> almost on steroids in a way just as you said she, she was a protagonist she was has, yeah has, has and kind of I wrote about this like the, the story itself is, is amazing that yeah. she's a, a Tunisian player achieving all of this you know the first Arab player to do most of what she's doing you know first African woman um, but also it's just the fact it's so much more meaningful given how just much of a pleasant person she is and, and how yeah. how well she comes across and, and I think that was really clear in, in the press conference um, after she lost when it was just I don't know she was just so positive even though it was brutally t- difficult I'm sure to, 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 to handle and to accept but she was so positive and you know just hopeful about the future she kind of <laughs> she she reflected on she had her, her, lock, her phone lock screen was the um the Venus Rose water dish, yeah. which she you know someone asked, so she like showed the, the everyone she like scan gave, gave everyone a, a peek at her, yeah. her lock screen. I don't know, it was just it was very nice, just to, you know that it's it's so, it, you know we we see kind of players after some of the toughest moments of of their career, right? And just to see how she she handled it was nice. And then like a, f- a few minutes later, we, we we walk out the press conference and she then as you 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 videoed, she walked down the media balcony and just kind of embrace the fans when as, as yeah when in as you've said in this tournament normally players wave from a, a dis, from a height and a distance yes. at, at the at as, the peons peasants, below the peasants below yeah no i mean tennis let me talk about this before and we'll probably talk about it again in this episode even tennis does not always bring out the best in people and does not always reward the best in people right so and i think that's been highlighted in this pandemic era so to have someone like Ons, who just is just a wonderful person, normal person in a lot of ways, just you can have a normal conversation with her if you just see her around with her, same with her husband, with her, you know, I don't know her coach actually that well, but definitely with her and her husband. Um, and obviously all the time she's, we, you know, shout out to our Middle East and North Africa correspondent, yeah. Reem Avalil, who it's, such uh, a friggin' bummer she could not be here. That was, that was killer. I, I've seen that so much during this, this last week. That she, yeah, yeah, she, yeah, she, she, and it's this, this country's fault. So yeah, completely. Yeah. So, so Reem, we miss you. Incom- You'll be there for the next Slam final, and hopefully, hopefully, the win. Shame on our, our incompetent home office. Yeah, shame on, shame on them. Agreed. 
Um, so that's Ons. I want to mention uh, the semifinalists briefly here. Uh, Tatiana Maria in the pantheon of shock slam runs we've had in the last few years. I think Tatiana Maria is very near the top, right, in terms of, like, having no reason to think this was coming <laughs> from her. She's ranked, what, 103 in the world. She has played on tour for a very long time. 40-something Grand Slams, right? Or but, but, more, but if, yeah, maybe main draw. And main draw, like, main draw. But like draw. several more quality yeah. losses, 40-something. Yeah. And n- only one time that she even made it to a third round. Yeah. Like, there was a lot of data on her, and it said she was nothing close yeah. to this. She, she'd, and lost, then, she'd lost like her last eight in a row first round. Right. And then she comes out, and she beats some really good players. Uh, she starts with Asher Sharma, not a bad win, and then beats Kirstea, then beats Maria Sakari, the number five seed, then beats Elena Ostapenko, the 12 seed. Then in an all-German quarterfinal, which no one really would have seen coming, she beats Jule Niemeyer. I must say that was a really fun match. It was a great match. Like, Niemeyer just started serving volley every other yeah. point. And, and, yeah, that was very... I enjoyed and, it more and, than it. And it was just, like, it's really cool. to so see Tatiana Maria, obviously, hopefully people saw her, but she's just, like, slice machine. And, like, it just seemed like things... She had these, like, weird pieces to her game, right? But just for some reason, she got them oriented in the right way during this tournament that they just suddenly became, like... They just made sense. They clicked together and it was deadly and effective, and it works well on grass. The slice works well. And she was just a complete disruptor and sort of chaos player tactically in terms of the draw and seeing her, like, unnerve someone like Ostapenko, who really seemed like a very clear favorite to get through that quarter of the draw to the semifinals based on based on ranking and who else was left. Um, to see her break her down was, was cool. And, again, just a, you know, cool story. You know, mother of two, 34 years old, turning 35 soon enough. Uh, from the power year of 87, which I'm very proud of. Another slam win for 87 today on this court, by the way. Um, yeah, like, it, she, she was just a cool, cool story. And her warmth with Shaber and a great moment with Shaber, you know, bringing her back out on court after their semifinal and very authentic, just nice scene. And also she's, you know, representing the Wimbledon powerhouse uh, town of Palm Beach Gardens, yeah. Florida. Uh, she's a neighbor of the Williamses there. So, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, we, we need a barbecue with the, the Maria, Ons, and Serene, and the Williamses. I, yeah. I, I, you know, there's some, there are some connections there now. Actually, she wasn't on my little my little uh, uh, agenda for this show that I wrote, jotted down quickly before the show, but Serena <laughs> <laughs> played this tournament long ago. Uh, Serena was on this court, yes, for, and I was here watching her for three-plus hours. She only played one match, but played a lot of match in that match. Uh, lost in a third set tiebreak to, to Harmony Tan, who was a big story in the first week, along with her would-be doubles partner Tamara Korpac. Um, uh, she's a, a wonderful sideshow in the first week. I feel like ten years. Ago. <laughs> I know it really, really does. Um, but anyway, Serena uh, loses after being up a break in the first set and serving for it, not getting it. Uh, being up a break in the third set, serving for it, not getting it. And after being up four love in the ten-point tiebreak uh, in the third set, she loses that as well. Um, she, what was, what did she do here? I mean, she, I mean, she didn't embarrass herself. You know, she, I think the, the takeaway from everything I read and saw was positive, even, even like, surpri- even surprisingly. So for a, for a 23 Grand Slam champion losing in the first round of Wimbledon, um, and I don't know, I, I, I think she probably would have won that match with, um, more match practice, you know, it was obviously a, a rusty, you know, bit, getting a bit too nervous when serving it out. Yeah. Um, Harmony Tan, another slice yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was just, like, horrible for someone who hadn't played in a year. I don't know, so, so 
I think my takeaway is kind of the same as hers. It seemed, you know, when, when she came to a press conference and she, again, she was quite positive and not up, so upset about her performance. You know, she kind of said it, it made me think that if I did try, if I, if I did put everything in, you know, I, I could, but do, do I want to? And I think that's kind of, you know, she's, she's 40 years old now. She has all, all of her... Serena Ventures. Serena Ventures, yeah. She, she, yeah, before the tournament, she, she, she joked about being on... Putting her do not <laughs> Out of office email. Out of office email, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was funny. Um, and, and so, yeah, it seemed like the takeaway was that she's, she's going to... She seemed motivated, although she still hasn't left here, <laughs> I think. Or she might have just left, but, she, but she'd been in, in London for a long time. That was after. odd. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like she she was mo- she said she was motivated to play play the summer out, and I think I'd imagine then that she'll see where she is, how she feels before, during, after the U.S. Open, to what what's next. But yeah, g- given that she clearly hadn't played, you know, she hadn't played in a year, I don't think she'd given herself so much time to prepare. She she said she'd given herself enough time, but. It, she wouldn't say how much. Yeah, she wouldn't say how much, and and you know, I don't know. We'll, 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 I think we'll see if if she wants to play play more. Um, it's in, it's interesting because like does she? yeah, I don't know. It's interesting sort of gauging expectations and narrative with Serena. I do think coming back here and there was so much anticipation of her first match. It really was the story of the first week, really, of the sure. tournament, even if it only lasted for for one match. Um, so much gauging expectations, we did not know what to expect. Like especially when she started off the match really poorly in the first two games, I was like, oh, people were like, oh, she could, she could get double bageled here. Like she looks bad, uh, and but a lot of parts of her game looked good. She was actually moving better than I thought I she was, would. The yeah. movement was pretty good. Yeah. The fitness lasting more than three hours. I mean, she lost, but you know, standing on court for more than three hours was was a lot. You know, but at the same time, like it's tough to sort of calibrate even expectations. Like, is it? Does it make any sense to say Serena Williams, oh, you know, good job, good effort, go out and lose first round to Harmon Tan, it's fine, when she's Serena Williams? Or should we still hold her to some standard even if she is 40? I mean, it's just hard mentally, you know, for me to sort of figure out what's a fair rubric for someone in her stage of her career who, you know, is still, was still talked about, you know, as someone, you know, who, who could beat anybody potentially. That was, you know, what she was saying too. She was like, anyone could have drawn me. She was sort of, you know, being a bit uh, not boasty at times, but you know, sort of backing herself and saying, "Ask what expectation for the tournament." She sort of made a funny face, you know, and sort of like, "Come on, you know, I'm here for the title." <laughs> so, but to say that, to, to draw that bar, and and people be like, "Yes, you tell him, Serena," and then lose to Harmony Tan, there's a disconnect. I, so, yeah. I don't, I, I'm not saying that like we should be dragging her for losing at 40 in her first match in a year, but also like going into the U.S. Open, like, is it just a fun hit around for her and just it's nice to have her around, or is it actually something where, you know it should suck for her to lose and she should, you know, be disappointed in herself if she loses to another Harmony Tan type first round in New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, I, I feel like that's the question for her. Does this, um, does this loss motivate her to, to get hit the practice courts and to do all that? And required? hit other tournament courts. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, for sure, if, yeah. if her next tournament is the US Open, people should not take her seriously. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess that's it, right? If, if it motivates her to actually be a professional tennis player again and, and all that, you know, yeah, all that concerns, or if that's the, you know this is the beginning of the end, which I mean it, it seems like. I mean to to me it seems like she's not sure. I, I believe her when she says that she's she's not really sure. Yeah. she's taking it day by day because she's not sure. But it does seem to lean towards possibly being 
the, the beginning of the beginning of the end for sure. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine, I would hope that she and Segway Venus play together in uh, New York. That's what I wanted. That's I just that's how like I, I dreamed about them going out together. And in a big first week surprise, Venus Williams showed up at Wimbledon. We weren't expecting her. She actually had said affirmatively on Instagram that she was not going to play Wimbledon this year. It was just Serena. But lo and behold, Venus shows up with her rackets and said that she just saw the courts and decided to play. They just look so nice and green. And so she plays mixed doubles with Jamie Murray, only mixed doubles. Uh, she wins a round um, against her other Venus, Michael Venus, in the first round. And Rosolska, I want to say. And uh, then loses to a British wildcard team of Barnett and O'Mara proud of myself remembering who, who that team was in a, in a really fun like 18 16 uh, super tie break in the third set um which included when, when they got to match point venus like screaming roaring <laughs> oh it's fantastic it was great I, I think i mean i think that's the kind of you know the positivity of of both serena and and venus was just weirdly just seeing them out there still like desperately trying yeah. to win uh, obviously in order to you know that 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 sh should also require you to to put in the work before the tournament and, yeah. and to play the tournaments, you know, as you said. But I don't know, it's just, I don't know, it was after so long as well, it was just, it was something just to see them still out there. It was it was great to see them. It was great to see them impress. Venus especially was yeah, very funny was, and impressed. Yeah, that was a very delightful press. It was really funny. You were you were obsessed with it. You loved it. And I still, I still, I still think though, like, okay, if you're going to be like, we're here to win as sort of your tone and being very hair flippy and sort of whatever about it, it was, I loved it, all of it. But to then yeah, lose yeah. to Barnett, Omar, you know, I mean, uh, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Murray did kind of, you know, well, but. He, he does that. <laughs> um, okay, other people who did not win, uh, Simona Halep. Uh, she is here uh, with what's paired with Patrick Mortoglu. And everywhere, they were, and everywhere, was Patrick, Patrick everywhere together. They were just like sort of conspicuously always together. Patrick was coming to her press conferences. Um, Which was awkward at, at one point. Yes, when in the opening question, opening press where she got asked about him and the apology post he made after the uh, the French Open, which was roundly just seen as bizarre. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, what he, uh, she lost in relatively, you know, straightforward straight sets, unexpectedly, I think, lopsidedly to Rabakina, who was the champion here. But she also, on the way, beat uh, Paula Vidosa very soundly. She also very soundly beat Amanda Nisimova in the quarterfinals. Uh, had a good run here. I even mean, even uh, the first round. But nice little career-ending match against uh, uh, Kirsten Flipkins, by the way. Second round on court two, I believe that was. And Mukova first round. Like she had a tough draw. She was one, one player who like the draw was collapsing a lot of places, but not in Simona Halas' path. And she had to work a lot. Yeah. Um, but she, also beat Kvitova in a good, good third rounder. I mean, bad for Kvitova, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think she clearly she she made the the semis without dropping a set. She played well. Um, it, I think it kind of should should probably affirm to her that you know that there's still well just confirm that there's, there's still more within there to yeah that to work continue working towards um i, I think the, the jury is still out on just on patrick and just how that partnership how and whether that partnership will will deliver us islam it is just i don't know it's just it's a bit strange just to, just just to see how it's a, bit, present. it's a bit much. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot. Yeah, you'd, you'd be, you know, you'd, you'd walk to Orangi practice court. You'd see them together. You'd see them, you know, walk into to a match, and you know, the the two players are normally just on their own. But Patrick is right right next to her. She's walking. To They're spending like every minute together. Yeah, and, and yeah. so, I'd, uh, yeah, and just sort of conspicuous. To, yeah. So it's hard to describe, but you, we always have the same experience. And, and particularly just as a, I don't know, an, an older player, you, it's just that 
as an older player, you'd think that there'd be less re- reliance and less, you know. You yeah, but that's not been the m- case. More, more, di- more distance, more I, I, I can handle myself and I, I don't need to talk to my coach every every second. But, yeah. but I mean, on, on measure, you know, that, that was a positive tournament. But the way she, and I mean, the loss against Rubikina was a, a bit strange. Um, not, you know, Rubikina played extremely well, but Halep served like nine double forts. Yeah. And, and of all like the issues, you know, she can sometimes be passive and, you know, when she's nervous and all of that stuff, you don't really associate her with having service yips. So yeah. that was a bit strange. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and then the other last woman I want to get to here for sure is a woman who arrived here on a 35-match win streak, Iga Sviantek, and who won her first match here against Jana Fett relatively cleanly, 11-3, uh, then had a real struggle in her second match against lucky loser Leslie Patanama Kirkova, uh, and then in her third match against uh, Alize Cornet, just seemed honestly flat and... I, I just felt like there was sort of just a sort of long-term cumulative exhaustion I could sense with Shantek. Even if she took the entire grass warm-up season off to rest and recuperate, um, she just didn't seem to have a ton of, like, fight left in her reserves and kind of honestly checked out, I think, by the end of that second set of, of the match against uh, against uh, Cornet. And but no shame in that. I mean, winning 37 matches in a row to, to win, you know, Doha, Indian Wells, Miami – a couple of matches at Fed Cup, Stuttgart, Rome, French Open. Like, that's that's amazing. Like, it's one of the best streaks I've had in a long time, and she didn't feel comfortable on grass. She could, didn't really ever get in her mind to, like, a fake it till you make it place on grass, because I thought she might. I thought she might just be like, look, I'm winning so much. Like, how different can grass be? But for her, it, it had kind of gotten in her head, and you could see that in the Kirk, Patanama Kirkova match, where she was just, like, really shaky. Um but she got through that one, but not Cornet. But how do you how do you look back on how the streak ended for Shvantec and where it sets it up for her for going in back into the hard courts? Actually, yeah. I guess she'll play some clay maybe in, in Warsaw first, potentially maybe. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I just yeah, it, it's hard to kind of be down on on anyone, even in, even the one on one losing in the third round of a slam, considering how many matches she'd won, won in a row. And I, I agree with you that. Um, yeah, it just you know she. I mean, she she was already ringing those those alarm bells after the French Open when she was like, "I'm just, I'm done." You know, I need a break. I'm yeah. probably probably not. You you ain't gonna see me at the grass season. <laughs> That's not not what verbatim what she said, but <laughs> you you get the yeah. point. And yeah, so so I, I wasn't really. It was surprising just how quickly it all happened and how you know that that wasn't against Cornet, but you know, I, I think the the signs were there and. I think as we've, we've discussed, I, I don't know. There's something about just the way, the, the where the streak happened. The fact that I don't know, spent so went through so so many WTA WTA events and then arrived at the French Open. You know, still hadn't won a Slam during the streak, and I'm sure was desperate to kind of almost validate it by by winning a Slam, as she kind of said afterwards, like to to make it even more meaningful. And then she just got over. Well, she got through it, and yeah, um, I think she just didn't have much left in the tank. So she's been on, she's been on holiday in, in in Italy, and I think that will do her well. And you know, I, I think and hope that um, she, she'll come back and and be good. And you know, she comes back when it's right, and not not a moment too soon, and then she'll be good. Credit to her also for setting up this uh, exhibition charity event, which we've been hearing talk about for months now which just finally got announced during Wimbledon. Um, it's going to be in Krakow, and she's going to play a set against Aga Radvanska, which is pretty cool. 
uh, it's all benefiting Ukraine and Ukraine refugees and, and efforts there. So that's that's pretty pretty great. All right, boys' time. Uh, the men's final. Uh, Novak Djokovic won yet another Wimbledon, his seventh Wimbledon overall, his fourth Wimbledon in a row, his 21st Grand Slam in a row, his first Grand Slam of the year, uh, beating Nicholas Helmikirios in four sets in the final. Uh, Kyrgios won the first set. Uh, Djokovic lost the first set in his final, in his semifinal against Cam Nori, and in his quarterfinal against uh, Yannick Sinner. He lost the first two sets against Yannick Sinner. but came back each time. He's been so good, and he's like so clearly a master of, even if he says he's be happy with best of three, he's on the record with that, I'll put that out there. He's so good at managing the best of five match. That's something Kyrgios actually said afterwards. Like, when I played, beat him before both times, it was in best of three. And when you win the first set against him there, he starts feeling more scoreboard pressure and he gets like, he's not as free. Whereas here, he loses a set and it's like no big deal. And he can still stay just as sharp and just as free. And it's harder to make these big players scared. And that's what we saw repeatedly with a lot of players in this big three sort of era, especially Djokovic and Nadal maybe especially. Like they just don't get phased by dropping sets. They're just like, it's, you're still so far from the finish line when you, win a, when you win a first set, which is why I hate the format. Just like, why have meaningless sets? Um, anyway, uh, Djokovic wins again. Is there, is there much new to say about Djokovic? We covered most, we've covered most of his 21 Grand Slams on the show before. Or anything new strike you during this, uh, this run? I mean, I mean, not new in terms of him being an incredible tennis player and better than everyone else and the way his kind of, I don't know, just his adaptation to grass and how this has become, you know, we're talking about this, it's become his, this is second best slam and now he has seven. So, he's so good on this surface. Yeah, and, 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 but now, now he has seven, seven yeah. he's, 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 you know, the, the 20 years ago, people thought that, I mean, both Sam Press's 14 slams in general and his, his seven um, Wimbledon. Wimbledon titles here were kind of like, you know, impenetrable. People thought that was special. Yeah. It is no longer special. Yeah. People well, that's, a, that's harsh, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, compar- in, in comparison, as I said, like this is his second best slam. It's not his, his number one. But yeah, he, he's 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 clear, he's kind of making his own era here. His own, you know, his, this is his period. It's four, four four in a row, and he, you know, I'm sure he'll be coming back here gunning for Federer, which is crazy to think about. Federer's eight. Federer's eight, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's dunning and you know, you know he's and. He's play, he played extremely well. I thought today against Kyrgios, he was very, 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 very good. Yeah, he, he had kind of one, you know, one one blip in the first set on his serve, and and Kyrgios was playing. You know, everything was flowing with Kyrgios. He played really well, but you know, he from the beginning of the second set, um, Djokovic just kind of just locked down his game completely. You know, his, his you know the the one thing he was really struggling with was reading Kyrgios' serve, and he. He broke serve um, at at two one with like just Kyrgios uh, slammed down like four first, four first serves and every return was he read them yeah. every return was deep and I'm sure Kyrgios was just like what I've his never, ability I'm to like, like block back returns yeah. that land within an inch of the baseline is yeah. unbelievable yeah it's crazy it's especially watching in person he yeah. really gets struck by in person like yeah. these balls like are not going fast but he's just so precise in how he yeah. handles the defensive play and how good unbelievably unattackable his defensive yeah. shots are he's he's like such a good tennis player you guys yeah. he's so so good i it's still like an interesting phenomenon that again he did not have the crowd on his side at wimbledon final was not as stark as it has been other years probably a little about the same as berrettini maybe berrettini certainly had the crowd on his side last year too um but but that doesn't matter he's still winning he's still you know racking him up and making yeah. his fans hopefully happy yeah. although 
he I, I'll get to this now. I mean, he's not as far as as of current recording, he's not able to enter the U.S. Yeah, he's gonna seed that one i asked him about it directly in his return press conference because he sort of said something like oh there's not much i can do obviously he could have gotten vaccinated and he can still get vaccinated in time to play the u.s he's made a firm stance against this for whatever reasons he has which is never really honestly articulated well why he's not taking the vaccine for all this talk because uh, it just seems fine it's been a non-issue for people but anyway uh he it's not going to play how do you sum up if, if he doesn't if something doesn't change and i think it's entirely possible it could change the yeah. Australia rule just changed. I don't know what's going to happen with the U.S. I wouldn't have no hope if I was Djokovic of, of getting in unvaccinated. But what what do you make of his sort of year at the slams if he leaves it here? Deportation, quarter, win, skip. I mean, I, I just say that this was kind of because of the, the uncertainty. This, there was even more pressure on him to, to do well here. Because, yeah. I mean, if he didn't win this, this title, even if he lost in the final, in my opinion, this is one Flop of... Flop year. I mean, not just flop year, but one of the worst years of his career. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because it's, you know, given how, what happened in the previous slams. And yeah, he, he but he, he came here and, and delivered as, as he did in the past. And I mean, he talked about in his press conference how he, um, just just how he, after the Australian Open, like he wasn't feeling like himself and he was down and blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, after, which you know, I'm sure like the, that ordeal was not, how, however, you know. I'm sure, it was not pleasant. Yeah, it was not pleasant to be it's, to be de- detained in in Australia and then deported. In the migrant the, detention center yeah, for days. Yes. Yeah, and deported from the the whole damn country. So um, and be the talk of the world while it all happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Front page news. Um, so yeah, he he and he talked about that just how it took him a while to like feel like himself again and mm-hmm. and finally and finally he came here feeling like he he backed himself and he played like it. You know, this is. And yeah, so now yeah, and so so yeah, it, it, it sets. I think whether or not he plays now, or it's crazy, he, he may not play another Slam for the French Open until the French Open next year. Um, no, we don't know his Australian situation. Yeah, yeah, we, we have time to get to that later. Yeah, we don't know his, his Australian situation, um, but I, I think he'll. I don't know. He'll be in a better space whenever he plays again. And. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be if he doesn't play the U.S. Open. Is, is this the last time we'll see him play? And you know, he, he might try and play the ATP Finals, but that rests on since he's won the Slam, he's won a Slam, but he has to be in the top twenty. Um, he'll be top twenty. Yeah. He's like currently ten in the race. I think yeah, he'll yeah. be there. But yeah, Kyrgios was going to be the tighter one. If Kyrgios, so the ATP was saying because the ATP has this rule that if you're in the top twenty in the race, but you've won a Slam. Uh, then you can kind of get into the top eight of the yeah. world, of the tour finals and play there. Um, he uh, let's talk about Kyrgios. I am not shocked that Kyrgios made a Wimbledon final. Like I think that's like something I could have seen coming in his career. He has the talent. He loves grass. Um, he's made you know second weeks of slams many times before, especially getting a walk over in the semifinals from from Nadal, who I think he you know had a real chance of beating. And Nadal, um, who was going for a calendar Grand Slam bid, got you know the first what 19 matches of the way there out of the 28, but then pulled out of the semifinal. As um, they're starting to clean up here, so this might be some noise in the background. Uh, you know, Kyrgios has the talent and you know has had flashes of focus and was you know focused at times in this tournament. It was a very uncomfortable tournament to sort of be watching Kyrgios do his things at a lot of times because of, you know, a couple on-court things and off-court things. Like, the obvious thing to mention is the news that came out before his fourth round, I guess, Nakashima, uh, I believe it was. Um, um, yeah, right? No, it was, it was after the fourth round before Garin. Okay. 
Um, the news that came out of Canberra that there had been uh, a sort of charge filed against him by his ex-girlfriend, uh, Chiara Passari. Uh, we don't know any details of this, really, except for that it was something, according to the report, that had something to do with grabbing that happened in December 2021. Um, so we'll, he is supposed to be in court or has some sort of court appearance scheduled in, in August. We'll see. I don't know if he has to be in person for that or not. Um, that was sort of, you know, obviously a, a, a cloud over him, I think, for sure. And then this match he played in the – and so I feel like I'm going very negative on him here. Obviously, his, you also saw his tennis, and his tennis was great, and he's very talented. And won the first set and was close to winning this tournament, and does a lot of exciting things on court. Um, but then this match he played against Tsitsipas was really, like, huge national news here, honestly, that day it happened for, like, how – ugly it got in terms of just the emotion in this match both on court and then the press conferences from both of them i think um where kiros was the number of verbal abuse code violations kiros could have gotten in this match was in the dozens comfortably just like constantly ripping officials constantly doing stuff and should have gotten cracked down on much harder and it's constant monologuing really completely unnerved Sitsipas, who probably should have gotten defaulted for uh, or could have gotten defaulted for launching a ball in anger into the crowd and then another time, after several times trying to peg Kyrgios during points, launched another ball. I've never seen a player get a code violation for a ball that was hit during a rally. Because this was technically a rally ball. It was a return of serve that Sitsipas took and just launched hard into the back wall, narrowly missing people again. He said when I asked him about it afterwards, he was aiming for Kyrgios. Um, and he called Kyrgios a, a bully who has a very evil side uh, in press afterwards. And Kyrgios, for his part, um, didn't, you know do a great job of sort of making that look silly by responding by calling Sitsipas soft and saying that he has no friends. Like, it was just honestly, like, ugly all of it. I did not enjoy, like, I, it was like a circus and it was kind of amusing at times, but it was also just, like, unpleasant in a lot of times, yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, this run, yeah. for me. I mean, the, the yeah, I mean, the, the whole run, you mean? That, and either way, yeah, both, yeah, both sure, zoomed yeah. in and zoomed out. Yeah, I mean, the match was just one of the most chaotic matches I've seen in my life. You know, when you have you know, Kyrgios trying, try, you know, Tsitsipas hitting a ball into the crowd and narrow, narrowly missing people's heads. And then, yeah. then Kyrgios trying to get him... Maybe hitting someone on the rebound yeah, even. Yeah. wasn't clear. Then Kyrgios tr trying to get him defaulted, you know, just arguing for his default. And then Tsitsipas... Not unreasonably. Not unreasonably, yeah. And then Tsitsipas trying to hit him <laughs> with a ball, for, you know, going head hunting for a whole set in the middle of a Grand Slam third round. was just the... Just crazy, um, and then obviously the unpleasantness of the, the press conferences, um, which, yeah, and and I think, yeah, it was just it wasn't nice, and and I agree, you know, that for me, although in in many different places the the you know the the this court summons mm -hmm. was kind of brushed aside um, by by you know, certain broadcasters and things, and, yeah. and just comments I, I read and heard I, it kind of it's it, to me it puts the shadow over this this whole you know this whole run and and he's gonna have to i mean he's he's gonna have to, to answer to it in, in on, on august 2nd when in canberra yeah i don't know if he's gonna be there in person or not because he's entered in washington that same week and so we'll see if he has to be in australia for something his you know barrister to use their word can can go to for him but yeah, it was just sort of it was sort of a, just a stain on on it honestly for me, and it's 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 tough. It's fresh. It was annoying because like obviously I've you know enjoyed curious at a lot of different points, but this was a tough time to sort of just sort of fully uh, lock into that. Okay, so some other quick things as we as we get going. So the ball's about to turn. Do you want to go? We can just end now. Just a couple, 
we'll go very fast. I mean, there's not much more on the agenda. I mean, like Nadal, we talked about. We could, we could talk. Cam Nori's great. We could you want to walk and talk? Yes, walk and talk. <laughs> okay. Like, like, like a, a Wimbledon interview. Yeah, Wimbledon walk and talk interview. All right, we're walking and talking here. We're walking down on the center court. Um, thoughts on Cam Nori? <laughs> I mean, semi finalist. Who I think did an amazing job as I knock over buckets. I think he did an amazing job of having the draw that really opened up for him when her catch lost and like not choking. Yeah, yeah. Um, his, his, his first Wimbledon as clearly the, the, a, a top 10 seed at, at Wimbledon, the British player. You have all of these journalists. I, I, don't, I don't get why they do this, but constantly asking him how, you know, the, about the pressure and, you know, the, the weight of a nation. It feels like they're trying to sabotage him at some, at mm-hmm. some points. But he dealt with it all extremely well. He beat the players he's supposed to beat. Um, and as we walk, there, there seems to be a media party. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, but yeah, he, 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 did it. he did it. He played extremely well. And um, yeah, I, I think he's a Sam semi-finalist now. He, he'd come into this tournament. He, he'd come into this tournament not having not reached a, the fourth round of a slam. And and he just he pushed he pushed past that and yeah. kept him going, kept and him going, so. and winning some tight matches that he like should have won, but was there was no reason to think that he had this sort of you know resume to do that. So all pretty cool for for Caminari to back it up. Um, Nadal Nadal gets the pullout here um, after gutting out a win over Taylor Fritz in the quarterfinals. Pulls out of the next match. He said interestingly that his reason for pulling out was that he didn't think he could win two more matches was the main reason he said he pulled was pulling out. What do you think of that rationale for him? Not that he was too hurt to go on with his ab tear, but he couldn't win. I mean, he, he said that, and also that, you know, he, it would get worse. But I mean, I mean, in general, it's just brutal on it. It's, in general, it's just brutal because, you know, he, he'd, he'd obviously gone through so, so much effort to, to try and make it to this tournament after the, the, the French Open and the foot issues, and he was playing well, and then he... He was playing well. <laughs> yeah, so, so we're, in, we're in the press room right now, and yeah. I'm packing up and, and um, annoying my colleague, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's just a tough way for this kind of. This is the f- closest he's ever gotten to a calendar. The grand, grand slam. The yeah. grand slam. That's what I, I prefer to say as well. And yeah, it's just a tough way, a tough and typical way for it to end. Yeah. But he, the good news is that he said that. You know the the injury. He'll be back on the court in in a week. Yep. You know, like without serving, and then he'll be hopefully good to go for the U.S. Open. So. And then the last thing I want to talk about here, as we wrap up the show and you get ready for the ball, is the real, uh, you know, princesses of the tournament in my mind, or the queens. Let's say really, the ladies' invitational double straw was stacked with talent, won by Kim Kleisters and Martina Hingis, uh, beating the team of. Laura Robson, who's still in her 20s, and Danielle Hentikova in the final. Also, the amazing team coming together of Aga Radvanska and Yelena Yankovic, uh, who should have made the semifinal, or should have made the final, I thought, based on how it was going, but did not quite. Uh, Heartbreaking. What was your what were thoughts on just seeing these people back together? I mean, it was it was particularly just cra- crazy to see, you know, we've seen Hingis around, Kleisters only just, re- just, only just, only just, Kleisters only just retired. Um, I've seen seen Yelena Yankovic, you know, the first day at the the practice courts. Um, that was that that was that was something. Um, Light and joy. Yeah, and and seeing her, she, she now has a a daughter mm-hmm. called Una. Una. Um, and 
also, you know, just seeing, I don't know, just, you know, that, that, those are the players we, we've seen since the begin since the beginning of their careers to now, and, and now, I don't know, they're, they're retired and legends, and I don't know, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's just interesting to it's see. Good that. feel in that legend shot, too, yeah. by the way. Nice, nice tournament. Yeah, and so um, Djokovic had Jankovic in in his box and he gave her a shout out um, during the press conference and I asked him about her and his face like lit up because that's what Yelena Jankovic does to everyone and I know it's just cool to see them back and I I, I like it's nice to have you know not just the Grand Slam champions from but like just just players who you know in these legends draws and these invitational draws players who a lot of people are familiar with and enjoy seeing playing tennis again even if it's not at the top level Tamana Carroll, thank you very much. Go get to your ball. Thank Don't you. turn into a pumpkin. Bye, folks. That's right. A mentica boolaroo, but the thing I'm about that does the job is bibbidi bobbidi boo. Oh, the sound of the girl, a mentica boo.